Welcome back, friends, to another episode of I'd Rather Be Reading. I'm so glad, as ever, that you've joined us today, and I know you'll enjoy this conversation I had with Brian McDonald, author of the new book, Five Floors Up, the heroic family story of four generations in the FDNY, which comes out September 6th. The FDNY, of course, is the fire department of New York City. The book comes out just in time for the 21st anniversary of September 11th, 2001, a date I likely don't have to explain the significance of to any of you. Four planes came down on that terrible day, two in New York City, where the fire department of New York City responded. One of the many killed that day in the attacks was Chief William M. Fian, or Bill, who is the only person to have held every rank in the FDNY and whose family is profiled in the book we're talking about today. The Fian family has heroically served the FDNY for four generations and counting for nearly 100 years. Chief Fian is a name we need to remember, a man who lived a hero and died a hero, along with so many other men and women who selflessly served the city. Chief Fian died at the towers and will never be forgotten by his family, the FDNY, or anyone who reads this book. Before we dive in, let me tell you about the book's author, Brian McDonald. Brian is a native New Yorker born in the Bronx and a graduate of the Columbia School of Journalism. He contributes frequently to New York City newspapers, including the ultimate New York City newspaper, the New York Times, and has previously written nonfiction works like My Father's Gun, Indian Summer, Safe Harbor, A Murder in Nantucket, and Last Call at Elaine's. Additionally, he's ghostwritten four political books, three of which were New York Times bestsellers, with one topping the list for five weeks. I have a feeling Five Floors Up will have the same success. Take a listen to our conversation. Brian, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. I just told you that I just moved. And one of the things at the top of the box was my copy of Five Floors Up. I read it. It made my move process a lot better because I would say, okay, I'll give myself a chapter of Five Floors Up if I can just pack three to five boxes. So, <laughs> so thanks for thanks for helping me get through this move. And I'm I'm in the new place now and it's sitting on my bed. Your book is sitting on my bedside table right now. So let's get into it. So five floors up, it delves into the social history of the New York City Fire Department as told through the lens of this incredible family, the Feehans. Am I saying that? I am saying that correctly, right? The yeah, no, that's the correct uh, pronunciation. Okay. A lot of people say Feehan today, but yeah, it's uh, it's Feehan. That's, that's Feehan. Okay, yeah. I want to make sure I have so much respect for this family after reading your book that I need to say their name correctly. So this family has served in the FDNY for four generations and counting. So I would love to know, you're a native New Yorker, but I'd love to know how you found out about this family and what inspired you to tell their story? So uh, it's, um, you know, the, I mean, I wish I had a, you know, a, a, a great aha uh, story to tell you about this, but what what happened, there was, there's a woman a woman named Beth Fian, who is uh-huh. the daughter-in-law of um, William Fian, Chief William Fian, the main character of the book. And she was doing a, a documentary on her father-in-law's career and uh, with the filmmakers, um, Robert Moss and Harvey Wang, two very talented filmmakers. So while she was putting it together, she was um, looking for representation and she had a conversation with a literary agent 
And the literary agent said, you really should have a book. So Beth set out looking for a writer. Her and I have a mutual friend. I have uh, some uh, history and um, experience in telling uh, civil service family stories. I wrote a book mm -hmm. about my own family of cops. So it looked like a great fit. And I was so, I mean, boy, did I hit the jackpot. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so Absolutely. The, so it kind of fell into my lap. Yeah, anybody who reads this book will agree with with that statement that you just said. And I want to talk about Chief Fian. He's he is a remarkable man. Um, one of the central figures in the book and in his family is Chief William M. Fehan, who is the only person to have held every rank in the FDNY, including serving as New York City's 28th fire commissioner. So tragically, he died in the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center. We'll get in more into 9-11 in a moment because that is coming up this week, the 21st anniversary of that tragic day. But I want you to tell us about this man, about Chief Fian. What was his impact on the FDNY? Oh, he had a remarkable impact on, I mean, first of all, he was just a, a wonderful human being, a father, a caring, loving husband, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the people that, you know, as as he climbed the ranks of the department, and as you said, he, he, he went all the way to the top, and with enormous responsibilities of, of running that department, he... Uh, always found time to be there at the soccer games uh, or, or the girls twirling practice or, or uh, you know, or his wife, unfortunately, had a lot of um, physical um, issues, uh, health issues that she went through. Mm -hmm. So he was home cooking dinner. You know, he was the chief of the department or the first deputy commissioner and later on the commissioner. And he's running home and putting the apron on and 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 cooking for the kids and and making their lunches to go to school. So uh, mm. he was just a remarkable guy. As far as the fire department is concerned, there was nobody more learned. There's nobody that in the fire after uh, this is the best way to categorize it. After he was killed in the department, the department was decimated. New York City Fire Department lost uh, like forty um, percent of their upper echelon uh, chiefs. In mm. that, in the, in the, in the, when the towers collapsed, and a, a huge chunk of their manpower, you know, 343 uh, firefighters. So they had to put together a department. It was just an incredibly um, difficult uh, proposition. And the one, I'm sorry about that. I got to turn. Oh, off you're okay. Me. No worries. My, my the one, uh, one uh, captain who worked with Chief and said the one person who could have done this without any problem we don't have anymore because he was killed in the attack and that was Chief Fian. Yeah. The uh, the um, rumor was he knew the location of every fire hydrant in New York City. I doubt whether <laughs> that's the truth but that was the rumor. That's how much he knew about the fire department. Well let me tell you that he's just this powerhouse in the fire department right but I appreciated so much the love story of he and his wife, Betty. I mean, this man was a wonderful father, but he was he was madly crazy in love with his wife and she him. And as you said, you know, balanced being such a leader in such a major organization with truly being a family man. And and it's it, the love story between the two of them. I could read forever. I just, uh, and I'm going to talk about Betty more in a minute, but I want to talk about 9-11 for a moment, because of course, it, as we record this, it's September 5th, not the 21st anniversary of September 11th is coming up on Sunday. 
So if you can, and the book goes into, into detail on this, but walk us through September 11th, 2001, that morning through Chief Fian's eyes and what would ultimately become the last day of his life. So uh, Chief Fian at the time was the first deputy commissioner. He had been the commissioner for a short time in the 1990s. Uh, there was a change in administration. And uh, most times in a change of administration means you're out of the fire department, they get all new people up front. But he was so valuable to the fire department. Uh, Rudy Giuliani was the new mayor that came in. Mm -hmm. that Giuliani kept him on as first deputy commissioner and he remained first deputy commissioner throughout his uh, last years of his life. So he was in his office at, uh, at um, FDNY headquarters. FDNY headquarters is about, a, as the crow flies, I think it's a 13 mile, uh, 13 miles to the Trade Center. And when uh, American Airlines Flight 11 hit the North Tower, the um, the shock waves from it actually reached the, his his office. His office, the windows bowed a little bit from the shock waves. Oh. And uh, once it, uh, you know, nobody knew what it was at first. I mean, they thought it was a small plane. You heard that a lot. And, uh, but uh, one of the one of the chiefs there saw the size of the hole in the building and said, "This is no, this is this is this yeah. was a commercial plane." So they got in a car and they ran. They went through the Brooklyn Bridge and and uh, or over the Brooklyn through the over the Brooklyn <laughs> Bridge into into Manhattan. Uh, you know, at breakneck speed, post haste, and uh, you know, uh, by the time they got there, I mean, it was just unimaginable the scene. There were people. The jumpers had started and they didn't know what, well, first of all, uh, the the South Tower was hit as they pulled up to the uh, um, trade center. So mm -hmm. um, pieces of the fuse, pieces of the fuselage, um, um, uh, body parts, engine parts were raining down from the sky yeah. on them. And then they ran through the plaza to get to the North Tower where the command center was. And there were people by then jumping out of the building. So, I mean, it was... It was just like, you know, I, I, you know, I had to write it. I can't, I, how do you, how do you do justice to a, a scene? So you never can. You, you can't do can. it. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. So, so he was in the uh, North Tower lobby with the rest of the chiefs. Um, and they were trying to decide what to do. They were sending, um, they were sending uh, firefighters up the stairs, uh, firefighters who would never, never come home. And, um, he 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 knew that the uh, it, 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 without getting too detailed, but protocol in the in the FDNY for high rise fires, you set up the command center in the lobby so they can send up the firefighters. They know what. But in the World Trade Center situation, being in the lobby was at a, a unique, a distinct disadvantage. They didn't know what was going on upstairs. Right. When the South Tower was hit, a lot of chiefs in the North Tower didn't even know it. They didn't even know the other building had been struck by really, a yeah. So Chief Fan thought that, um, and other chiefs thought that they should get a, a better vantage. Uh, so they went out to look for an um, alternate uh, command center and they went across West Street. You know, it's not very far from the, it's over a, a walkway bridge over, over West Street, but it's not, it's the distance of a football field, say, from the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. And they set up a, a, an alternate command place. And for the first time, it was in the garage or the loading dock of the American Express building in the financial World Financial Center. And for the first time, they could see the buildings, both buildings, and it was like surreal to them. Both buildings were on fire. The top floors, one of the, the South Tower, uh, the chief that was with Chief Fitzpatrick, who was with uh, Chief Fian, 
looked up and saw what he thought were Christmas lights ringing the top of the, uh, of the South Tower. They weren't Christmas lights. They were the windows being uh, crushed by the collapse of the tower and it was sparkling out like Christmas lights. Yeah. And when the South Tower came down, they were they they ran for cover. I mean, a football field away when that when that building came down, it spewed chunks of cement. Sure. Sure. You know that distance and more. So it was. Uh, they luckily got got um, got away with their uh, with their life, and then they came back up, and the um, uh, the Marriott Hotel, which was attached to the South Tower, there were firefighters in there. The Marriott Hotel was severely damaged in the collapse. Um, so Chief Fian and uh, the chief of the department, Pete Gancy, and a chief of special operation, a, fire, a legendary fire chief named Ray Downey, um, all started a operation to um, rescue the firefighters in the Marriott Hotel. And while they were doing that operation, the North Tower came down and it killed all three of them. So uh, he, and at the time, Chief Fian was 71 years old. 71, he was the highest ranking member of the department killed. And at 71, he was still facing, you know, the uh, the biggest fire, the biggest event the New York City Fire Department ever faced. So he was quite a man. Well, he yes. And by the time he, his passing happens in the book, the way you, and he's not just a character, obviously he's a man that lived and breathed, but the, the character of him in this book you love this character. You respect this character. This character is a hero already, even prior to losing his life so tragically. And when he dies, and I'm again, I'm talking about him as if he didn't live, but just the way that you write him when he dies, it's, it's absolutely devastating. And, um, he was, he lived a hero. He died a hero. And I want us to continue to say names like his, because I never want us to forget them and those who gave their lives and, and not just that day but his whole life was dedicated to this work and the book talks about the heroism and the sacrifices of the firefighters but also and I and I find this to be so interesting one of my best friends her husband is a firefighter and um, and I've seen through her eyes the sacrifices that she makes as well in their children and this your book tells the story of what it's like to be a family member of a firefighter specifically a firefighter's wife. So I, I love Chief Fian, but his wife, Betty, was one of my favorite parts of this book and their love story. So, you know, in your, in your, through your research, I know obviously you've never lived the life of being the wife of a firefighter, but through telling Betty's story and, and other family members' stories, what is it like being the wife of a firefighter? Because they make extraordinary sacrifices too. You know, I think I got I, I brought I brought experience of living uh, being a son and a brother and a uh, brother-in-law of a of a, a family of cops, New York City cops. I think mm -hmm. I brought that there, uh, and and saw that in the in the um, you know as it is back then. Today, it could be the man who is the spouse at home or the man who is uh, the female the woman who is in the fire department. But back then, it was all men. So I saw through my sister-in-law and my mother's eyes what they they went through. So I think I had some experience to to write this. I just didn't, uh, you know, make it up out of whole cloth. And 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 it's, uh, you know, in the book, Betty says, you know, you don't know whether they'll ever come home. I, I tell a story in the book. It actually was before Bill Fian um, became a firefighter. He worked for something called the Fire Patrol. And the Fire Patrol was an old time thing that was 
run by the insurance underwriters in New York City to go to major fires and cover uh, stock and equipment to save them from water damage to lessen their liability, to lessen the money they were going to spend, uh, the insurance companies were going to spend. But fire fire patrolmen took the same risks as firefighters that they only they had horrible equipment. I mean, it was a really really very dangerous job. Mm-hmm. And Chief Fian went to was called to a fire, a very famous fire called the Worcester Street Fire on. Um, Valentine's Day night, 1958, the building collapsed. Six, two firemen, four fire patrolmen were killed. But Betty was home um, uh, pregnant and she she had real trouble with pregnancy. She had miscarried twice already. There was a surgeon who um, who operated on her in high school, a gynecological issue and, and, and said to her she was never gonna have children. Her family doctor said, keep trying. I mean, these, this is kind of antiquated days. This is back in the fifties, you know? And, uh, and uh, she, she got, she got pregnant again. And this time she stayed, the doctor ordered bed rest and she stayed in bed. So she's in bed alone at night. She gets Mm -hmm. a call from her sister saying, there's a fire uh, in Bill's area, a horrible fire down in Bill's area. And and her husband hasn't called yet because he can't get to the phone. He this narrowly is in the fifties, right? No cell phones. No, you know he's he's bu- he's busy fighting this fire. He can't find a phone and call her. So yeah, it's it's a whole different era. She doesn't have any idea what's 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 happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, all she knows is her husband was supposed to be home and he's not home, and and all of these horrible thoughts go spinning through her mind, you know. And uh, it was a. It was a, something that she'd have to get used to, you know, she would throughout his career, he'd be in situations, you know, uh, where, uh, life and death situations that she would, you know, find out about later. And, you know, firefighters are really uh, uh, pretty cavalier, not cavalier with, they, they don't mean to uh, make anybody nervous or scare anybody, but they're, the way they um, talk about these near-death experiences, they almost have like a gallows humor in it, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the spouses don't see it as so, it's so funny <laughs> right. as uh, uh, maybe some other audience would. Well, I've always wondered this, and and I'd love your perspective from your research on the Fians, but also from your own life of, of being, um, having police officers in your family. I've always wondered how firefighters, police officers, first responders of any kind didn't take their work home with them. Because let's just say, I mean, let's just say the Wooster fire. Is it possible to see the devastation that he saw and not in some way take it home with them? I know I could not. Um, I'm also not cut from the same cloth as as first responders. But is it possible to to not take that work home with you? Well, I think they, I think the difference is, I think some of it, I think they all take it home. I think just some of it keep, keep it inside and some of it keep it outside. I mean, that's why alcoholism rates are very high with these kind of jobs and, 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 uh, and mental illness is high with these kind of jobs. Depression is high because they uh, don't want to subject their family, their loved ones to this, um, to these situations they're in where their lives are in danger. So, uh, so yeah, I think they take it home. Uh, it's just that they don't they don't share it with the family. And I mm-hmm. I know my you know my dad was both my dad and my father were very in very dangerous places in the in the police department. And uh, other than talking to each other, they never talked about what happened at the dinner table or the you know the backyard patio or anything. That, those conversations, I mean, they tell the funny stories, but they never tell uh, the ones where their lives were in danger. Never. 
Yeah. And the things that, and the things that you see, you know, right. the, thing, the things that you not, and not even just at major events like nine 11 or the Wooster fire, but just, I mean, just even like a car accident, you know, the things that you, that you can take home and, and internalize and the strength and the courage that they're built with is, is something that I just don't, I, I just don't possess. And so I, I could never do that work, but for the Fians, firefighting is a family business. It goes all the way back to the 1920s, nearly a hundred years ago. So I have to know, are they the only family that has had four generations and counting serving in the FDNY? Because four generations and really most any family business is not so common anymore, especially one as dangerous as firefighting. Yeah, no, it's it's actually not not that uncommon. I mean, it's not, you know, there's not dozens of them, but I, right. I'm sure there's a couple of four generation families. I think there might even have been a five generation family served in the FDNY. I know I write about the, th the third generation, although there's a Fian uh, that is the third generation. I kind of take a left right hand turn with the story and talk about the son-in-law because I wanted to because his his son is uh, the grandson of of uh, Chief Fian and the great grandson of the first uh, William Fian. Uh, so I wanted that story to follow that path. And he works in a firehouse. His name is Connor Davin, and he works mm -hmm. in a firehouse in Brooklyn right now, Engine Two Thirty One. And they they call the the nickname of the firehouse is the House of the Rising Sun, because <laughs> Connor is and his father brian are the 20th and there's more since the 20th father-son combina combination to have worked there so firefighting is still a handed down uh um, um a job but but i think that it's slowly i write i write somewhere where it's a time passing us by and i think i think it is i think that the, the uh this um you know, maybe who knows, but in 25 years and 20, 20 years, you're not going to see that. I mean, there's too many opportunities for young men and women coming out of school or coming up uh, that they don't want to run up into burning buildings. They could get jobs as, as uh, stockbrokers or something. I don't know, but they could they uh, you know, it's not as appealing as, as, as it once was, I think. I remember I just remembered this. I wrote a story and it's it was a Mississippi story, so not New York City, but I wrote a story and it ended up being on the cover of this magazine in Mississippi. And it was about uh, two or three sets of father-son duos in this fire department. They were in the same, I mean, obviously this is not the FDNY, it's not that big, but um, just how, how the bond between them obviously was that of father and son, but it was also as brothers now, brothers in the work and how special that was. For them and I just think that's really powerful to have that lineage what, whatever the careers but especially one as dangerous as this and this you tell in the book the this really the history of the fire department of New York is told through the eyes of this family the Fian family so I would love to know what the most interesting anecdote that you learned about FDNY as a whole was while reporting on this story <laughs> oh my god you put me on the spot but I'll try the uh I mean there's, there's so, so many yeah there's so many dramatic moments and you know you're talking 100 years so it was uh, right 
and 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 the most dramatic moment, 9-11. But I think I loved writing about the first William Fian. William Fian, uh, William Patrick Fian was on, like you said, he came on to the fire department in 1926. And it was the time when the uh, fire department was first, uh, you know, becoming the modern fire department it was. It, it, it no longer had horse-drawn uh, fire trucks, but not too long before they did. You know, and it was it was that kind of a time. And I think one of the, uh, it was actually before Fian came on, it was uh, maybe 20, 20 years before, there was a fire in the P.T. Barnum Museum in downtown Manhattan. And this was a museum that was, um, like uh, not like any like unlike any other museum, <laughs> it had all the different acts like Tom Thumb. There was a woman called the Gigantess who was supposed to be eight foot tall, and and you know there was the the strongest man in the world, and there was monkeys and 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 giraffes and all sorts of animals in this museum. And unfortunately, it caught on fire, you know, and um, they the fire the fire department at the time was all volunteer and they were and they used to fight all of this is uh, uh, shown in the movies like the gangs in new york and stuff like that but they'd, mm -hmm. they'd have rumbles out in front to see who would fight the fire it was like a it was it was uh, absurd but anyhow the firefighters are running into the building they're running out with mannequins thinking they're real people they're <laughs> I remember this from the book. Yes, uh -huh. monkeys got loose and ran out of the building and down down uh, 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 down Pine Street into the lower lower Manhattan, never mm -hmm. to be seen again. The unfortunate part of it was there were two uh, whales. He had two whales. P.T. Barnum had two adult whales in the in the uh, building. They were actually boiled to death from the fire. The fire um, uh, heated the water so much that the whales died. But I, it was it was like a fire like no other, and and uh, you know so I have I get a great deal of uh, I get a great deal of joy going back. I love historical uh, storytelling, and oh, especially yeah. when you insert you know a real person into it, it it makes it really really fun. Well, and the truth is always better than any fiction. That's what I found as a writer, and I'm sure you have as well. So yes. I mean, you know there's a million ways to answer this question, but how much has the fire department changed over the last 100 years? So, yeah, so this, it's very important. It's in fact, it's changing, but it's changing very, very slowly. The, the fire department is still one of the least um, diverse, uh, big, big city uh, departments in the country. Um, they, uh, women didn't come into the fire department till the 1980s and even into the 2000s, it was, a very, very low number. And, um, you know, a lot of it was territorial. A lot of it, you know, I, if you went back far enough, I'm sure there was racist. I mean, uh, you know, blacks were never allowed in the, in the apartment. A lot of it was, but it was like a financial racism more than a, a skin color racism. They were protecting mm -hmm. their, their turf. But the great thing that, uh, and it is changing. Today, it's a lot more diverse and it's getting more diverse as the new mayor is making sure of that too. But um, Chief Fian had a great quote in one of the interviews I had. And by the way, I had great interviews, both um, uh, on uh, recorded on uh, videotape and recorded on audio tapes and, and things that he wrote. I had wonderful material to recreate his life. But one of the, one of the interviews, he said, as soon as when the doors roll up and the fire engine and the, and the siren on the fire engine sounds, no more racism in the fire department. There is no more color. There is no more gender. There's only the fact that we're going to go into that building and save whoever's there. That's right. 
Yeah. That's right. You're not thinking about those things when you're fighting a fire. You're just saying, how can we all help each other? You That's know? right. I say that as if I've fought fires before, but I assume that when one is in a fire or in a trench or something of the like, none of that matters at all. You're just there to do the job. So today in 2022, the fee and family, the extended fee and family. So Connor, right. Is he, is he the only one from the family still serving in the. No, John Fian is a. a Right, 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 right. Okay. Yes. Battalion chief and Brian Fian, uh, Connor's father is still a battalion chief in the Bronx. Yes, I forgot all about that. So tell me how, how so is the three of them, right? Or is there more? How are, how are the Fians still serving FDNY? So so uh, Brian Fian himself has a, a great career. He was a very active firefighter. He was a cop for a while. You know, you there's a lot of firefighters who, who start in the police department and then become firefighters because it's harder to get on the fire department smaller. The test is given not as often. So they, they get the civil service job uh, with the police department. And then as soon as the um, the test for the fire department comes up, they'll, they'll take that and jump over. And Brian had taken that path. And uh, he he uh, he was a firefighter in the Brooklyn during the crack cocaine era in the 90s. He was uh, mm-hmm. at 9-11. Uh, he came after the, um, after the towers came down, but he was there, as was John there, right after the towers came down. Uh, he became a lieutenant he uh, and a captain and a, a battalion chief all in the years as they were putting the fire department back together again. And uh, his he was a joy to write about. Brian is one of the things about firefighters that is so cool for a writer. They are great storytellers. They oh, yeah, I bet. Storytellers. And, mm-hmm. and all you got to do is recount what they tell you and you, you, you're doing mm-hmm. pretty good. You mm-hmm. know? Well, you are a native New Yorker. You're from the Bronx, if I'm not mistaken. So tell me, you know, as, as a woman who's sitting here talking to you from Birmingham, Alabama, who has been to the city before, but certainly can't answer this question. How does the FDNY represent New York City as a whole? What does it mean to the city? Uh, you know, if, if um, you know, 9-11 changed everybody's percep- perception right across. I mean, even, even 21 years later, people... Uh, see firefighters through the prism of that day. You know, mm-hmm. when you have um, 343 uh, um, um, firefighters running up the stairs of a, of a 111 story tower building while everybody else is running out for their lives, that says, uh, that pretty much um, says what kind of uh, heroic um, ability, what kind of heroes these, these uh, firefighters are. So I think firefighters still, it's not like a honeymoon. I don't want to say a honeymoon, but they're respected in New York. They're, uh, they are really uh, respected. And, and, you know, there's always going to be fires. Right. <laughs> there's fires all the time and it's deadly fires. And New York City is a big city with a lot of poor neighborhoods and a lot of wooden buildings and a lot of, uh, there was a horrible fire not too long ago. Up, up near Brian. Brian's uh, Brian was off that that day, but his uh, his firehouse responded, and I think seventeen people were killed. Uh, they were immigrants from from um, uh, the Caribbean, I believe, and they were in this apartment. And a, 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 it was Christmas time, and a, a extension cord wasn't a cheap extension cord caught fire, and and ended up killing seventeen people from an, uh, you know a lot from the same family, but uh, neighbors and things like that. I mean, it's a it's a job where, uh, you know, and much more, many more people would have died if the fire department wasn't there to put the fire out and rescue sure. them. So, uh, sure. you know, they're, uh, 
they're uh, the, the the city respects them and uh and as they should and you know it was just rachel it was just such an honor and a privilege to write about this film. oh yeah oh was, yeah uh, i felt yeah. like very lucky and the well and you did a fantastic job and these stories should be told they shouldn't be lost right they should be written down and by someone who knows what they're doing a veteran journalist like you and I think everyone will really enjoy seeing the fire department as told through this particular family who are just such stand-up people and people that we'd all be proud to know and my last question for you today what do you hope readers get out of this fantastic story yeah, I, I, I think we covered a lot of it. I think it's a family story at its at its root. And, you know, yeah. it's a family story like any other family, like any other business. This business just happens to involve people running into burning buildings, you know. Uh, but it's a family struggle, you know. it's a, Nobody's getting rich. Nobody's getting buying yachts. Nobody's buying houses out in the Hamptons. These are yep. just regular people who put their lives on the line for people they don't know on a daily basis. So, uh, yeah, I hope they get that, that, uh, you know, that quiet heroism that that's alive. And it's not only New York city, it's fire departments across the country that do the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Brian, and for this fantastic book, five floors up the heroic family story of four generations in the FDNY is out September 6th, which is the day this episode airs. So go grab a copy, please. It's the, it's, it's, it would be good to be read at any time of the year, but especially right now is September 11th is, is so close. Once again, it's the perfect book to remind us of the sacrifices made that day, which we should never forget. I appreciate you being with me today so much, Brian. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Rachel. I had fun. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Brian, for your time and for that conversation. Again, this book is out September 6th and is a poignant reminder of but one life we lost on that awful day in September 2001. I was 14, two weeks exactly from turning 15, and I remember every moment about that day, as I'm sure you do if you were old enough to remember. From learning of the attacks in my first period biology class in Topeka, Kansas, to watching coverage on an old TV we rolled out on a cart in the newsroom of Washburn Rural High School, where I was fortunate enough to be the only freshman on the newspaper staff just trying to keep up. A lot of time and a lot of life has passed since that day, but may we never forget those who lost their lives and the impact of those terrifying hours and days that followed. I know I never will. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.